Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Hate to be this guy, but oh, hell yes. It's going to be a tremendous day. Welcome to the program. I am Jim Rome. And if you're watching on CBS Sports Network, check out SoFi, the $5 billion edifice that it is. What a crib. What a great day. And today we are going off early and off, and I'm going to hit this thing so hard right off the very top. Great to have you here. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios, which are now in the convention center. Remember, every score changed during Super Bowl 56. Somebody's going to win 50 grand in the Rocket Mortgage Super Bowl Square sweepstakes. See the rules and enter for free at rocketmortgagesquares.com. What's cracking? Welcome to the program. All right, if you missed the first couple of weeks or days, I should say, understand this show is very different. If you're looking at it on CBS Sports Network behind me, there are more people than there were yesterday, but the difference in this show is, and when I say early and often, we are going to bang guests. We have access to people that normally we would not get access to, and we're going to do it right off the very top. Hey now, what's going on? Nice to have you here. Telephone number is toll-free. Before I get to my first guest, who's an absolute legend, can't wait to get caught up with him, let me hit you up with that telephone number. It's good across the U.S. and in Canada, 1-800-636-8686. Man, do not lay out and let me do all the work. Jump up in here in social media, at Jim Rome, and also via email, Rome, R-O-M-E, at habitate.com. I've said a number of times this might not be the game that a lot of you wanted. It might not be the game that a lot of you expected, but it's a great matchup. It's a great matchup because the Bengals honestly are one of the best stories I've ever seen. Nobody saw them coming this far except those on the very inside and maybe this guy. Right off the very top, we are joined by a Bengals legend. Give me a minute. I want to run down this resume. An 11-time All-Pro, an 11-time Pro Bowl selection, a member of the 80s All-Decade team, a member of the 75th Anniversary All-Time team, a member of the 100th Anniversary All-Time team, the NFL Man of the Year, and a Bart Star Award winner. He was a national champion and a two-time All-American at USC. Down the way, he is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he appears today on behalf of the 2022 Fatherhood Festival at Pro Football Hall of Fame Village. Anthony Munoz, dude, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired, man. My man, it has been a minute or two. It is so good to see you. How you doing? I'm doing great. It has been a minute or two. Uh, I think it was back in Cincinnati and. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's great seeing you. Great, great having a chance to talk to you. So good. Of course, I, w- I feel like I see you and hear you all the time because I watch, you know, I watch a lot of sports. So I see you and you do a phenomenal job. Anthony, so it's good to be with I you. I really appreciate that. I always appreciated our relationship. The interviews that we did, it's so good to get caught up. I keep telling people, this is why, well, number one, I'm here because they still let me through the door. That's a good <laughs> thing. And number two, I want to get caught up and talk to people like you. It's been a while. What's it like for you to see your team, the Bengals, in your stomping ground, the former stomping ground, in the Super Bowl, what has that experience been like for you? I tell you what, Jim, it's been so exciting. I've been in Cincinnati for a long time. We stayed there after I retired, still live in Cincinnati, been through some lean years, and I've had a chance, I think, got back to doing the preseason games on TV. So this is like my 22nd year, so I've watched a lot, all the home games I go to. But I saw something special, even in camp with this team. A lot of people are saying, you know, what do you think, what do you think? And I kept reading four to six wins. That's what everybody said. You know it. And I stepped out and I said, what I saw at camp, I said, this team can win 10 games. Mm. I said, I don't know what that will lead to, but I said, there's something special about this team. The enthusiasm, the culture that Zach Taylor's been changing, the draft picks, the free agents. I just saw a different hop in their step at camp. They really love being with each other. And that's what I – I see that – 
that's the and they play loose. Super Bowl, I wouldn't go step out and say that, but I tell you what, the city is just going nuts. Okay, I was going to ask you that. Anthony Munoz is joining us right now here on the set. What about the city? What about the vibe? They've waited a long time. They love their Bengals. They're on the big stage right now. What is the vibe like back in the Natty? Well, you know, it's amazing. Like I said, I've been there a long time. I'm out and about. I grocery shop. I go to you know, do this and do that. And you know, our big thing is who day. I mean, that's been forever. And over the years, I'll hear it now and then. The last four weeks, I've never heard so many who days in the community. I'm talking kids that have no clue who I am, but I have my Bengals stuff on. I got old people like myself, young people, college. It's just, it really is the buzz. I don't think I ever felt Paul Brown Stadium the way I felt it when the Raiders came into town. It was full, record crowd, and just, I parked and walked through all the fans into the stadium, and it was, I tell you what, the, the hair on my arms, because it hasn't been that way in so long, and to have that happen, and with the guys that are playing, you know, good former teammate of mine does radio for them forever, Dave Lapham. He was my left guard my yeah, first four years, and he says it best. He says, when your best guys are your best players, good things are going to happen. And I see that's what's happened with this culture, and I tell you what, they're fun to watch. Anthony Munoz is joining us now, not to disrespect anybody. And whenever somebody says not to disrespect anybody, somebody's about to get disrespected. My man, I know they're doing what they can up front. Have any of them asked you to suit up this Sunday? <laughs> you know, they haven't, and I think that's a key. Maybe they Max should. Max Montoya played at UCLA. We played together for 11 years before he came to the Raiders. Uh, the day of the, the Titans game, he texts me. He calls me Chewy. Because my hair was down to my shoulders, Chewbacca, you know, Star Wars. He said, Chewy, he said, man, are you ready? They might need us. And then the Sunday after the Nashville game, we, we loved a kid. I said, I said, Junior, I said, uh, you started running, man? We got to get in shape. <laughs> but, no, I, you know, it it's is. They've, they've had some uh, – Frank Pollock, I love him as a coach. He's an amazing technician. He gets in their face. And his, he finally reared up. You saw him on the sideline last game. He was screaming and yelling. They, they know we don't have, they don't have to hear all the noise. They know that they've got to play the game of their life. I mean, they got a guy that wears, I think, number 99. That's I've heard decent. of that guy. Yeah, I think he's pretty decent. Uh, Von Miller, who seems to be rejuvenating. A couple other really good guys. But, uh, you know, not only to a man individually, but schematically. They're going to have to really set their protections to help out. And uh, so I'm excited. I think other than that, I think they'll play well. And they've had really – times where they've looked really good but some inconsistencies I think it's a great matchup I think it's an amazing matchup and I mean this is what it's going to come down to right like if you give Joe Burrow time he's going to kill you and by the way if you don't give him time he can still kill you this is such a different kind of dude but then again the Rams are a different animal altogether right the way they get after the quarterback I mean do does the Bengals do they have to win in the trenches hold their own in the trenches what has to happen for them to win this game I think if they hold their own, um, I don't think they have to just totally dominate. And I, I think if they hold their own and, and hold them to some type of, you know, just minimums, I think they have a chance. I mean, I look at, and I hope Uzama's back. You know, he's a big part of that. And everybody, well, what's Jamar your sense Chase. About that? Sorry to interrupt you. What's your yeah. sense? I mean, he, he's, first of all, dude's great. He's unbelievable. Oh, and yeah. he's got this amazing energy to him. Great physical player, and he said, "Hey, I'm not missing the biggest game of my life. I just am not missing the biggest game of my life." I'm sure he believes that. Do you have any sense of where he's going to be at physically and how much he can give them? I don't know what percentage, but I believe he'll be there, ready to play. I'm not sure what percentage. I don't know the extent of the injury. I know he he ripped off the brace at the rally and threw it. <laughs> so hopefully it's feeling good enough. But uh, you know, when you got Chase and Boyd and Higgins, and you add Uzama, I, I think we match up well if we can not just dominate, but just contain them somewhat. And Joe is amazing. I tell you, the way he can extend plays 
And the mental part of the game, knowing what's going on downfield, I just, I tell you, for a second year player that was hurt, you know, most of his rookie year and coming to do what he's done, I've been just so impressed. Uh, as a, not only as a player, but as a leader. I mean, the guy, you have 10 year veterans coming in to see if they want to sign with the Bengals. Riley Reef comes in, has dinner with Joe, says, I need to sign here because I want to play with that guy. Anthony, by the way, Anthony Munoz, Hall of Famer, joining us. By the way, even Gronk yesterday was asked, <laughs> all right, if Brady's not going to play, who would you want to play with? And there are some young studs now. There are some really good young quarterbacks. He didn't say Mahomes. He didn't say Allen. He didn't say Justin Herbert. He said that young gun there, that buck there, Joe Burrow. I mean, that's, that's Gronk. That's, that's the first ballot Hall of Famer, doesn't it? I mean, he played for a pretty decent quarterback, I guess. Pretty good player. Yeah. And, but, uh, yeah, for I read that and I heard that, and I'm thinking high praises, high praises for a young quarterback. And I've said it. I mean, I played for two great guys, Kenny Anderson and Boomer Esiason. I wish I was still playing and had a chance to block for Joe Burrow because the way he carries himself, the, the confidence. And the fun thing for me is if there's a pick thrown or they fail, I know the next time I, he's erased it. Right. And he's going to be positive. He's going to have some positive things happen. Anthony Munoz joining us. Speaking of blocking, you mentioned Dave Lapham. He had this great quote about how, I'm going to read it to you. He told The Athletic when talking about you, quote, he wouldn't just block people. He would totally embarrass them. Finishing was not even the word. It was destroying them. I don't know how you would do it because it's so contrary, but you destroy them with respect. He would respectfully declete people and then help them up. So (laughs) what was your approach? Like he made the point that you were so much better than everybody else and so dominant, but always respectful. Well, I, I think I have to give, you mentioned USC earlier. 17 years after I left USC, I moved after my NFL career, and I found my freshman playbook Hmm. from USC. I opened it up, curious. The first page, one word, it was in block letters. It said, dominate. Hmm. Next page, it said, we will dominate, and they will surrender in the fourth quarter. That's how I was trained. Jim McNally, who coached me, we had shirts that said, finish. We went from snap to whistle. We didn't make friends during games. You, you went to charity events in the offseason, played golf with them. You wanted them to not like you. And at times you wanted to say, no, my name's Anthony. It's not the name you're calling. <laughs> so that was just our philosophy. I think that's what you need as an offense. You need that edge. Sure, technically you have to be sound, and we were, we were taught that way, but you have to finish things. And that, that's how I was trained. That's the mentality. So you're, when you think back to your USC days, it's always been this way. I make this point. The Trojans are different in the sense that when I bring them on, they're just different. They show up well. They interview well. It's just a different sort of culture. They've had their ups. They've had their downs. Right now they're on fire. When you look back at your times at USC, what are the things you remember most, and who were some of the guys that you played with that you remember most? Oh my goodness. I could just put John Robinson, first of all. Sure. The total package as a head coach. Hudson Houck, my offensive line coach. But then I start thinking, four years, Ricky Bell, Vince Evans, Marvin Powell, Gary Jeter, Dave Lewis, Rod Martin, Clay Matthews, then I move forward. Ronnie Lott, Dennis Smith, Marcus Allen, Charles White, Bruce Matthews, Don Mosbar. It's insane, right? I mean, it's like four Hall of Famers from my 79 team, Pro Football Hall of Famers, 13, 14 number one picks, 10 plus years in the NFL. So it was like I had a chance to be a part of these guys, the legacy, the tradition, uh, and it was just so much fun. I mean, it was so much fun. I'm sure I'm leaving guys out, but, man, you know, Brad Buddy, Keith Van Horn, Jeff Fisher, I mean, Joey Browner, Keith Browner. It's insane. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's amazing, but, right? And it, it was just, it was a family. I mean, again, I talked about the Bengals enjoying being around each other and loving playing. 
that's what we did. We were a family, man. We had fun, and we got after it from, you know, Monday to Saturday. And then Saturday it was like, that's time to go out and, uh, you know, as freshmen, we loved it because we got to play a quarter and a half because uh, the games would be out of reach, you know, with Ricky Bell and Vince Evans and those guys, and uh, kind of got our, uh, you know. back you, man. Yeah. You guys, man, you guys had yeah. some guys running behind that line. Anthony Munoz joining me for a few more moments. Of all the guys you mentioned, Ronnie Lott is always the guy that comes to mind first. I had Bill Romanowski on the show because he's a mainstay, and, you know, Romo's got stories four days. He tells that great story about Ronnie Lott. You know, when he first got to the NFL, Ethan Horton pushed him in the back, and Romo didn't do anything, and it showed up in film. And Ronnie had them stop the projector, turn on the lights, and said, Ronnie, or Romo, if I ever, ever, ever see anybody punk you like that again, I will kick your ass myself. I'm curious, what was Ronnie like in college? Uh, like that? So, first of all, Ronnie and I were in the same high school league. Yeah, you bet. So we played against each other, football, basketball, and baseball Incredible. for two years. Amazing athlete. That's how he was at SC. Played three years with them at SC, man. And he was a guy, he didn't just want to hit you. His philosophy was he wanted to go through you. Right. And just a great individual. What a, a great, great player, description great, that is right there. Yeah. He wanted to play right through yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. But a great person. I mean, just a fantastic, comes from a great family, great person. And uh, those are the type of guys that I got a chance to be with at USC before I went to, to play with a great group of guys in Cincinnati. All right, I'm going to say the same thing about you. In terms of the work that you've done off the field and the Anthony Munoz Foundation, you have impacted more than 50,000 kids, awarded more than $2.6 million in scholarships. It's a massive impact. I would argue that as great a career as you have, you've done as much off of the field as you have on the field. You're working with the 2022 Fatherhood Festival at the Pro Football Hall of Fame Village, which takes place June 17th through the 19th. For those who do not know know what that is Anthony what is the festival all about that's those are the things that excite me the foundation and you know the the Hall of Fame village powered by Johnson Controls and Fatherhood Institute coming together and doing a three-day festival fatherhood festival where we take dads bring your kids engage with your kids man Friday night's going to be the biggest movie night in the country Saturday we're going to have a lot of interaction activities with the fathers and their kids and it's we're not restricting it just to one group all the fathers come together, but that's not it. We're going to have some tents. We're going to pamper the moms. They're mm. going to have spa day over there as the dads. So, you know, I'm pretty excited about that, you know, because I'm a dad, I'm a grandfather now, and I see the importance of being a dad. And to have this fatherhood festival at the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame Village powered by Johnson Controls and the Father Institute, I am thrilled. And we're going to, you know, it's going to be fun because this gives you a chance. Clear everything off your calendar. You're going to be there 17th, 18th, and 19th, just interacting, engaging with your kids. And uh, those are the type of things. My foundation, where I get a chance to interact with at-risk, underprivileged kids, provide leadership and character and educational you know, opportunities for them. And then now we're, we're hitting the, you know, the fatherhood, which we know fathering around the country, we need to step it up and uh, to have something like this. I'm thrilled about so it. So important. It's yeah. one of the most important things oh, of all. My and I'll tell you what's so amazing about you, Anthony, that you had this incredible career on the field, but not only am I going to argue once again that you've had as great an impact off the field, but you have a similar, if not greater, passion for this work. Oh. So credit to you. That's an amazing thing. Thanks, Jim. Thing. I appreciate it. I am, I am so glad to get caught up and see you because we did it yeah. so many times over the years. Right. And you actually were at a tour stop back in the day <laughs> at Xavier U. So I always want to appreciate you doing that too. Anthony, great to see you, man. Thank great you very much. You. Thank you, Jim. Have a great week. And I appreciate the work you're doing. Anthony Munoz, that is a straight-up legend, and the Bengals are in the Super Bowl, so I had to get that reaction. Like I said, Radio Row, especially starting on Wednesday, early and often. The legends are out. They're coming on, and we're off to a great start.
Clones, the big game is coming up, and Omaha Steaks has the perfect package to save you over 50%. Now, I've been an enormous fan for years. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to enjoy an unforgettable game day meal to be loved and shared by all. And for a limited time, Omaha Steaks is offering a special touchdown game day package. Visit omahasteaks.com, type in the keyword gym in the search bar, and take advantage of this exclusive offer. Are you looking for more? Omaha Steaks makes it easy to warm up your winter with 50% off lean, tender steaks, and hearty home-cooked favorites. Visit omahasteaks.com, enter Jim in the search bar, and order the Omaha Sampler Package. You'll save over 50%, plus you'll get 12 Omaha Steak Burgers free. Every order is backed by their 100% satisfaction guarantee and delivered safely to your doorstep. Omaha Steaks, the leader of gourmet steaks and food since 1917. No one comes close to matching their flavor, tenderness, and value. That's omahasteaks.com, keyword Jim. Yeah, that's true. I got a warrior to my right, which I'm going to get to in one second. First quick reminder, home team, visiting team, your fantasy team, no matter who you root for, we are all on the same team when it comes to COVID-19. BioNTech and Pfizer remind you to please consider getting vaccinated. Welcome back. All right, it's going to take me a moment or two to set this up for you. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, that is the row. Right now, I'm joined by a wide receiver, quote-unquote, first-team All-Pro, Pro Bowl selection, 77 receptions, 1,405 yards, six touchdowns, 365 rushing yards, eight touchdowns, led the league in yards per reception, set NFL record for rushing TDs by receiver. He was an All-American and an All-SEC-er in South Carolina. 36th pick overall in 2019. He is appearing courtesy of Old Spice Gentleman's Blend deodorants and body washes. Debo Samuel joining me. Debo, did I get anything wrong in that open? No, you did an awesome job. 100%, job. right? 100%. Good, man. Listen, dude, you you and I spoke. I don't know if you remember. You and I spoke in my studio weeks before you were drafted, and you just capped off one of the best seasons in NFL history. What was that like for you? Like, Did it feel special, or did it feel like just the start of something? It was it was special, and it's just me personally. I think it's just the start of something, right? So, how much better? What what can you improve upon based on what you just did this season? Like, what are you looking to work on? Uh, I, I got a lot of things to work on. Uh, get back to get back to the lab of, of route running. I kind of felt like I lost a, a couple a couple steps here and there when I moved to the backfield. That's why I was kind of limited on what the, what routes I was running. But um, just get back to that and just just work on a little minor things that I know I can correct. All right, so that's something different. When you said you went to the backfield, like Kyle Shanahan has referred to as a wide back, like the hybrid between wide receiver and running back. What was it like when you started to get more carries in Week 10? How much did you enjoy being able to impact the game that way, and how did you approach it? I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I approached it just like I approach being a wideout, but uh, just getting the ball faster. So I feel like um, I enjoyed it a lot more because I was getting the ball a little bit more. All right, so it seems like there's a new position, right, this whole concept of wide back. Are you one of one and that there aren't guys that can do this? Or do you think maybe other teams will try to develop that position and let guys try and do it? Um, I've seen I've seen a little a little glimpse of uh, during the draft of people trying to find a depot, but I think it's one of one. <laughs> All right. So hey, during the draft, as I mentioned, you would come in. What's it like to be in that system? I mean, we've been talking relentlessly about the Shanahan system. When you and I spoke, did you have any idea how you would fit into that system if you went there or how much they would benefit from it? Um, I actually didn't know, uh, even though I played for them in the Senior Bowl. But um, little do people know, it took me like a year and a half to fully grasp Kyle Shanahan's offense. It, it took a long time. 
Why? What is it that makes it so tough? Uh, it's just the formations, the motion, and the terminology from coming from college until the NFL terminology is totally different. All right, so once you figure it out, though, once you get that vernacular and that terminology down and you're no longer thinking but you're just doing what you do, what's it like to be in that oh, offense? It, it, once, I, once I figured out everything that was going on, it makes the game so, so slower for me. Debo Samuel joining us. When you play the game the way you play, like with the ferocity and the physicality you bring, do you get a sense that it lifts everybody else up when you're giving out as much as you're getting back? They call they, at the, in the locker room. They call me the team lifter because uh, I'm the guy with all the with all the energy out there and uh, what I put out there on tape is just get the team going. All right, so I want to ask you something. I ran down Michael Irvin earlier this week, and this dude very similar, right? Great wide receiver, tremendous physicality, Hall of, Hall of Famer. I mean, the playmaker. The playmaker but what I said to him was what's really unusual normally the wide receiver is not the guy who sets the tone for the entire locker room and I said to him how did you go about doing that you're not the coach you're not the quarterback and he said there's certain ways to do it I think you're the same way how are you able to set that tone for the entire team and locker room playing that position uh kind of like what you just said he said uh it's, it, you can do it in many ways um I kind of set the tone whether the first play of the game is a run I'm gonna make sure that DB know that I'm gonna be there all game or uh, if I'm getting the ball the first play of the game, I'm going to set the tone, putting the pads on him. He just knows it's going to be a long day. <laughs> Debo Samuel joining us. Hate to bring up a sore subject, but you were this close, man. This close to the Super Bowl on Sunday. And there's that now famous footage of you sitting on the sideline after the game. I mean, we don't know. What's it like to put the time in, put the work in, make the sacrifices, get that close and come up just short? Can you put into words what that's like when uh, you pay that kind of price? It, it's, it's tough. Um, just think about... Um, starting training in February all the way until uh, the past week that we lost the game. So this is what, like 10 months, 11 months of physically, mentally, you know what I'm saying, preparing yourself for the moment and just fo uh, follow up short uh, and just know you got to put yourself in that position again to do it all over again to get back to where you want to be. Right, so so it's, just, it's just it's just a uh, – it makes you think about a lot, but this is the profession that we signed up for, and this is what it consists of. So how do you process that? Like, is that done? You don't look back, you move on? Or is it always there, and you convert that into fuel for next season? Oh, it's definitely fuel, because I can kind of relate back to 2019 when I lost the Super Bowl um, of how I approached training. But um, kind of fell up short there because I, I broke my foot. So I just used that as another fuel, and the Super Bowl was still in the back of my head. So... Um, I use that for this offseason that me of how, how I play the game. Um, just fearless. You do whatever it takes to, to help the team. And he's out there playing through whatever it takes. And, and we're still winning with him. So just imagine how healthy, if he was healthy all your long way, he'd be capable of doing. How much does that lift the team up? Like it's often said that your quarterback's got to be your toughest guy. Sometimes he is, sometimes he's not. But when you all know that he's not right and he's playing in a lot of pain and he's not complaining, he's out there just laying it all out there. The thing is I've seen him go through in the past three years. So it's just it's just the energy that he ju he's just bringing, just the fearless mindset that he has. What about his development? How does he look to you, and how do you think he's going to look next year if he is, in fact, the guy? Um, I think Jimmy played a great role in, you know what I'm saying, being with being with Trey, of showing him the ropes of what Kyle expects. I think it was a good year for Trey to, to actually learn how the league goes. And me personally, I feel like Trey could be a, a superstar in this league once he understands, like, how to practice and the mindset and, and the, the amount of studying that you need to do to be able to win games in this league. Dude, how much of that is about – and the success in the league, how much of that is just about being a professional, learning how to prepare the right way, take care of your body, take care of your mind, have the right routine? How much of that it plays into whether or not you have success in the league? It's, it's, it, it plays a major role. Um, without Wes Walker, 
Um, I probably wouldn't have had a routine that I needed to go by uh, as far as the offseason. Wes Welker was on my back about literally everything. All right, Depot, you need to do this. You need to do this at this time, this at this time, be to sleep at this time, eat at this time. So Wes was uh, Wes was my mentor well, after my first year in the league. Uh, Dude, he found you. Yeah. He, he found you, right? So what did that mean to you? Like he, The story goes you were getting ready for the 2019 draft. They wanted a physical wide receiver, and he saw a clip of you at South Carolina just running over fools and said, that's our guy. That's what we want. So what does he mean to your he career? Tell me, he tell me that all the time. Wes <laughs> meant a lot of my career, man. Um, just showing me how to practice, how to be a pro, the things that it takes to be that guy in the league. And um, and this year, uh, he, he said once you once you figure everything out and stuff is just going to fall into place, and you can see this season, um, I had the, a great season I had. So he's just like, all right, now if you continue to do this, how much better can you get? So it was just one off season that I had that I did everything that I was supposed to do. So just imagine how better you could actually be if you continue to do the things the right way. Right. Then you got to be like, hey, Welker, how many times do I have to thank you, bro? How many times? Listen, you are working with Old Spice and their gentlemen's blend deodorants and body washes laid out for me. What are you doing? Uh, so this, so what I have here is the uh, the long lasting gentlemen's blend deodorant. Um, I, I've been working with Old Spice since I was actually a rookie. I started at the rookie premiere. And we also have the, the Gentleman's Blend uh, body wash, moisturizer, so it keeps my skin smooth and smelling good. So, And I'm, I'm a big routine guy, and this is a big part of my routine. It's got to be a big part of the routine. I, <laughs> I, I, like, I like having a routine. What's your morning routine besides slathering that on? <laughs> oh, once I get this on and then get the moving on, um, I just I just you're done, dude. Day. That's your morning right there, yes, man. Sir, That's what course. I like. Definitely. <laughs> so what are you gonna do? I appreciate that, and it's good to have you. And I'm glad those folks put you out in front. What are you gonna do on Super Bowl Sunday? Like, I'm always curious, especially when you get that close. Are you gonna watch or you're not gonna watch? I ain't watching it. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch. I'll come. I should be playing it. That's why I, was I respect that. I respect that. All right, Debo, I respect you. Good to see you. Glad that I got the intro right, man. I didn't want you to correct me on camera. But like I told you, if I ever jack that stuff up, I'm here. However, if I do a really good interview, I want to hear that, too. Oh, you did a great job. You it was too, great dude. to be here. I'm proud of both of us, man. Yes, sir. All right, dude. Great seeing you, Debo. <laughs> Thank Thanks you. so much. Nobody like him. All right, so they, they can do all they want about trying to come up with somebody who can do what he can do. I don't think anybody can do what that guy can do. Certainly not with that physicality. Debo Samuel joining me here on the set. Appreciate you. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef very seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Who wants dried tough beef in a bag. Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper is the real deal and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those of you who like to take things up a notch. Next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? That's true. If I've said it once, I've said it 10 times, I'm going to make it 11. The reason I am here is to have conversations like this. Welcome back. We're on Radio Row. I'm here the entire week. I am Jim Rome, and that is Radio Row. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, it is filling out. Check out who I found, the UFC welterweight champion, number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Five straight title defenses, 19 straight wins, 
15 in the UFC, 2021 Fighter of the Year, an All-American and a national champion wrestler in college. Kamaru Usman is my guest. Champ, what's going on? How are you? I feel great. When you run off that stat sheet like that, uh, who doesn't feel good about themselves? Dude, you got a good resume now. Thank you got a really you. good resume. Really? So let me ask you, you've earned everything you've got. You're here in L.A. during Super Bowl week. What are you up to? How are you enjoying L.A. this week? Oh, man, I actually just came here to uh, have um, surgery on yeah, my right? hand, which, you know, I hear some of the best doctors in the world are here. So I was able to come here, have my hand fixed because now – I've been, what, a month and a half, two months removed from my last competition. I'm kind of itching to get back in there. So you got to kind of fix some of those little issues that have kind of been bothering you in order to be what, why at least do, close to 100%. Why, dude, do you need your hands for what you do for a living? I, I mean, you? You, might, you might need them. You know, you might need them. <laughs> all right, listen, the fact of the matter is you, well, first of all, how did the surgery go? How do you feel? And what's your timeline for a return? How are you approaching it? Surgery went well. Um, the doctors went in, and they were able to clean up every every little thing in there that they found. And so I think they're giving me probably about a good two to three months before I could actually start punching again. So, you know, I, I'm aiming for that summer return. Okay, so let me ask you this. Three weeks before the fight with Kobe Covington, you broke that hand. And a lot of guys break their hand that close to a fight. They're not fighting. They're going to pull out of the fight. Not only did you fight, you won that fight. Number one, how did you go about doing that and was not fighting even an option for you? It, it, there's there's a certain uh, level of just mental fortitude that you get to, especially at that point. I've been putting myself through a very rigorous camp because, if you guys remember, that first fight w wasn't uh, the easiest fight. So I was putting myself through a, a, an intense training camp, and with my coach, my coach is is uh, just a mastermind. We were able to just kind of take myself out of punching with that right hand for about three or four weeks, just to give it a rest, in order to be able to get to fight night which is the most important fight night at the end of the day hey you got to do or die so I was there was nothing that was going to stand in my way from stepping in there and delivering a you know of course another title defense you know it's one thing in, in that business you not only have to win you have to win a certain way and when you say it's do or die I mean is that a figure of speech or when you enter that cage like y'all are a different breed I've talked to a lot of athletes in a lot of different sports over the years even combat sports but when you say do or die do you mean that literally do you prepare yourself for the possibility that you know what I may not come out of this cage Yes, you, you don't, but you don't think of it that way. Right. You don't think of it as, oh, I may not come out of this cage. You just think of it as, I'm going in here and I am not leaving until I am successful. At least that's my approach. And so when you get in there, you don't really care. You're, you're throwing, you've prepared your body to be able to throw it into the fire. And so that's why you, you'll get in a performance and you'll, you'll have some serious injuries, but you don't even realize it. You don't feel it. So when you start walking backstage, you start seeing certain things it's like, oh, that should hurt. Oh, that should hurt. That should feel this way. And that's when the pain starts to set in. You know, so I mentioned you're the best fighter in the world, pound for pound. Like, I'm curious about legacy because I, I'm getting the sense that you're not here to maintain. You're not here to protect what you have. You're here to do more, get more, be more. We're talking about big-time, heady, legacy stuff. Are you looking maybe to jump over the middleweight class altogether and go to light heavyweight? Is that something that interests you? Um, it, it, it's uh, See, legacy is not something that I, I – I, I don't even focus on that. Okay. A lot of people say that legacy, legacy. I don't focus on that. As long as I'm able to accomplish what I have in front of me, by the time I'm said and done, I walk away from the sport, people will tell me that was your legacy. That's what you left. And so each and every time I step into that octagon, 
I am in there to win that belt. I'm not there to defend. I'm not trying to protect anything. I'm trying to earn that belt each and every time. So by the time I walk away from the sport, everyone can look back and say, wow, you left a legacy. But that moving up, that, you know, as long as I've said it before, as long as Israel Adesanya is the champion, I have no interest in going there. But when Jan right. Blahovic was the champion at light heavyweight, right. of course, I thought, about, I thought it was a great matchup. Huh. I'm not saying I would just demolish the whole light heavyweight division. I'm saying I thought that was a great matchup, and I thought that I would have been a two-time champion and skipping middleweight and becoming a light heavyweight champion. All right, so what about Adesanya? How come that does not interest you? Oh, I, I've said it before. Adesanya is a fellow Nigerian, uh, a, a good guy. I like him. I like his approach, and, you know, I've said it. I would rather two Nigerians have belts than huh. one Nigerian with two That's belts. That's interesting. I've always wondered about guys that felt strongly about each other. Generally, at the end of the day, it's like business is business. We have respect. We have love. But we have to do what we have to do. But that's not what I'm hearing. That's not what you're saying. Well, like I've said, if Dana is willing to sit us down and say $100 million, hey, guys, let's put this up. <laughs> at that point, me and Israel have to talk because at that point, me and my little brother, my blood brother, we would have to talk and say, hey, let's go out here and let's make this money. Kamaru Usman joining me for a few more moments. Let me ask about another guy, Kamzat Chemaev. He has expressed interest in fighting you this year. Of course, my man wants to fight every day and fight everybody who ever lived. What do you make of him, his game, his rap, and would that interest you? Of course. Uh, that's the thing is that there's a reason there's a structure to, to get here. So he's done great with the opposition that he's been presented. And by the time he gets here, once he gets here, of course, we'll have that conversation. But I am the champion. I am the pound-for-pound pound best in the world. I am the king of the castle. Everybody wants a piece of me. So that's good. I like that. You know, there was a time where I was coming up, and I just couldn't get those fights. I, I, I couldn't get the next guy to step in there with me. But now that I'm at the top, I don't have to do that. These guys have to call me out, and these guys have to come to me. So when they make it up here, I'll be here waiting. All right, so we talked about this earlier. Like, you, sometimes you have the hammer, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have leverage, sometimes you don't. Dana White has said that your next fight is going to be against Leon Edwards. Now, that might be who Dana would like for you to fight. Is that who you want to fight? <laughs> of course, I want Canelo Alvarez. I've said it before, but if Canelo's not interested, it is what it is. You know, we'll let him keep picking guys out of the, you know, the haystack of boxing and, and finding nobodies to fight. But if he wants to do it, he knows where we're at. Dude, how do you think you would do against Canelo? How would that go if you got that opportunity? Oh, I, I think I would do great. And that's the thing. I, I never approach a fight. I never get into This is, we don't play this. This is fighting. This is real. We don't play this sport. So if I don't think that I have a chance, what is the point of me even stepping in there? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people thought, like you see my recent fights, a lot of people thought Masvidal said, oh, well, he doesn't have power. He can't do this. He can't do that. And we saw how that went. Before that, they thought, okay, Gilbert Burns, this was a teammate that knows him, trained with him. This guy could dethrone him. We saw how that went. So um, for me, it's, it's about proving something to myself. Each and every time I step in there, I, I want to prove something to myself. So that fear that I have, I, I love that fear. Because when, I, I, when I'm able to overcome that fear, that's the drug for me. That's the big drug. When you go in there, you're, you're afraid and you're able to overcome it. Then you sit back and backstage and you're like, holy crap, I did it. Dude, really quickly, when was the last time you were truly afraid of somebody or something? Oh, uh, November 6th. I was afraid. I was afraid going into uh, the Covington 2 fight. Of course I was afraid. Uh-huh. Going into the Masvidal 2 fight. Of course I was afraid. Each and every time. That's why I take these fights. 
if I don't feel that there's any danger in it, there's 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 none of that that fear. What's the point? You know, at this point, it's just going in there for a paycheck. And I'm not. I didn't get into this just for a paycheck. I got into this to be the best in the world, and I've proven that. I am the pound for pound mixed martial artist in the world, and eventually want to be pound for pound the face of the fight game. My man, I respect that. I respect that answer a lot. Guys like that never admit to any kind of fear. And you're saying, yeah, yeah, I was afraid, and that's how I grow, and that's how I became what I am, the best in the world. Kamaru Usman, UFC welterweight champion, champ. Really good to see you. Appreciate you. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you, That was Jim. a good time. Appreciate, it. appreciate you very much. All right, he is pound for pound the best in the game and made a special trip to the row. Hope you enjoyed that. That was tremendous. All right, what I want to do now is kind of split this thing right down the middle from the champ to one of the best in the game. He is a first-team All-Pro. He is a Pro Bowl selection. He led the NFL in rushing yardage and rushing TDs, a two-time Doak Award winner, a two-time Big Ten running back of the year, a two-time unanimous All-American. He was the 41st pick out of Wisconsin. You know I've got a kid in Wisconsin. You know I have real estate in Wisconsin, so I don't play favorites. However, I got a connection here. He is appearing courtesy of the FedEx Air and Ground Player of the Year Awards. He is Jonathan Taylor. Dude, that is a really long resume for somebody who has not played that long. How you feeling? How you doing? How you doing, Jim? I appreciate you having me on, and thank you so much for the introduction. No, I really appreciate you doing this. Great to have you on. I, I got to ask, first of all, what was it like going to Vegas? You were at the Pro Bowl. How did that trip go for you? What were the highlights? Oh, uh, Vegas, was, well, number one, that was my first time in Vegas, um, besides when we played Vegas there last year. So being able to really experience what Vegas has to offer, that was amazing. Um, but the Pro Bowl experience was awesome. I mean, you're around the elite of the elite. So it's a kind of a special feeling, a special thing to be amongst those those men that are the best in the world. Jonathan, I'll do you one better. It's one thing to be amongst the elite, but the Athletic did a survey of players at the Pro Bowl. One of the questions they asked them was who should be the MVP. The winner was not Aaron Rodgers. The winner was not Tom Brady. It was you. What's it mean to you that the best players in the league believe that you are the MVP? Man, that... Did you know that? I did not know that. I did Brilliant. not know they did that. That That is amazing. I mean, it's just, it's a level of respect. I mean, to know and an honor to know that the players that you compete against week in and week out feel as though you are the best amongst them for that year. I mean, so... Now just hearing that for the first time, I mean, that, that's an honor. I, I can't believe that they did that. They did. Jonathan Taylor is joining us. So when you look back on the season, you had such an amazing year, such an amazing individual year, but certainly you're a team guy. Can you celebrate the individual accomplishments and accolades if the team doesn't make the postseason? Oh, I mean, you can always take time to sit back and reflect on your season. I mean, that's how you grow. Whether you had a great season or whether you didn't have a great season, you always have to step back and look, what did I do? To contribute to this team so you always have to stick, take a step back and evaluate what you did on an individual level all right so when you talk about growth i want to ask you something i know that back in april you and cam newton were among a small number of people who took part in a three-day camping trip in the mountains of washington now again you played your college ball in madison so you know what it's like to be cold but it was below freezing every night and you had never been camping before what was that trip like and why did you want to do that Man, like you mentioned, one, I've never been camping before, but that trip was uh, one of those experiences where once you finish, you're like, man, that was awesome. But while you're going through it, you're like, why did I do this? But it did teach me a lot about myself on how to persevere, about mental toughness. I mean, you're literally pitching your tent 
in the middle of the snow while it's snowing. So you're trying to keep the snow off the inside of your tent. You're trying to put the stakes in the ground. I mean, it was a really mental toughness kind of a three-day week. But um, I, I think I really enjoyed it after the fact. <laughs> Jonathan, I this is so interesting to me. I could talk to you for hours about that whole notion of mental toughness and why you have to do stuff like that. I wish we had more time. I want to ask you this, though. As some people know, you were really, really into science, really into astronomy and physics. You told The Athletic, quote, some planets are too hot, some planets are too cold, some are positioned just right, so they're inhabitable. I mean, dude, I don't know what's more mind-blowing, that take that you have, which is true, or the fact that we're having this conversation in Los Angeles on the one planet that is positioned just right, that's inhabitable, right? How it's, cool is that? It's just right. And how it, interesting is that to you? It's really interesting because, especially sometimes at night or even during the day, you just take the time out to just look up in the sky and realize how, like, how vast this world is. I mean, it's amazing. And like you just mentioned, we just happen to be lucky enough to be positioned in the perfect spot to be able to be able to sit here right now and talk with one another. Again, I don't know what's better. I can talk to you about your year. I could talk about your camping trip, or we could talk about the stars and what planets are inhabitable or not. I do need to ask you about FedEx, Aaron Ground Player of the Year Awards. Voting for both awards is still awards. It's still ongoing. Yes. Let's talk about the candidates really quickly. On the ground, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, you. Who are you voting for? Oh my gosh! I mean, that's a top. I want to vote for myself, and then, then you, do it. Then you watch. Then you watch the film, and you watch Nick Chubb, and you watch Joe Mixon. You're like, man, these guys are elite. Um, so it kind of sucks that I'm going up against both of those guys. Um, but I mean, it, it's amazing, and I'm just I'm happy to be a part of it with FedEx. Uh, the the winner is able to donate with the help of FedEx twenty thousand dollars to the HBCU of their choice. So being able to have the opportunity to be a part of that is is amazing for myself. Um, so hopefully I'm able to bring it home so I can support uh, my teammate, Darius Leonard, uh, HBCU school, South Carolina State. So hopefully I'll be able to do that for him. This is a big Darius Leonard house as well. Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, you. What about the Air Awards? The finalists are Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford. Who are you going to vote for there? That's a tough one. Now, that's a legit tough one. I mean, you look at GOAT, <laughs> GOAT but then you look at, I mean, Herbert, he can – I don't even say throw the ball. He can play quarterback better than anybody in the league right now. I mean, he is definitely amazing. And then the year that Stafford just have, I mean, you make that move and then, boom, you know, your team's in the Super Bowl. I mean, oh, my gosh. Those are, those are tough. I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions. You know, I always tell the story, but, you know, when Wisconsin was in the Rose Bowl, I was up there in the box with Barry Alvarez, et al., your guy Ron Dane, and Justin Herbert, when people were saying things like, he can't lead, he's not vocal enough, and I saw what that dude did on the field, I'm like, what, what is it that people are missing about this guy? This guy's big, this guy's strong, this guy's poised. You're going to tell me this guy can't lead? Man, I mean, like you just mentioned, you were at that game, and he went off. Um, you know, sucks we had to play against him because that was the granddaddy of them all. So uh, that would have been a nice one to, to bring home back to the University of Wisconsin. But, I mean, they, it was well-deserved for him. I mean, he played his tail off. And you can see now, I mean, he's playing at an elite level. i got to ask you one last time. You and I have discussed it, but there's something about that school. And we did send our older son to that school. I've never met anybody who either played ball or went to school at Wisconsin that did not love everything about it and the experience. What makes that school in that town so special? I would really say it, it's the people. And not even not just the, the fans of the Wisconsin Badgers, the legit people who live and are from Madison, Wisconsin, 
they are amazing. I mean, you will be out at breakfast and they won't even know you. Someone will mention it and they'll just say, thank you very much. I mean, I just appreciate everything you do. They speak so highly of you, so just keep going. Like, they don't even know you. They don't even watch football. So the people make Madison what it is. It really is amazing. My thanks to Jonathan Taylor, my man. I got so much respect and a great appreciation for you. Really nice to see you. Have a great week, and I hope we can do it again soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. What a class act. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. I love this product. I use it. Now, let me ask you this. Does this sound familiar? You've got the one device that allows you to catch the game live, another one that lets you stream your favorite programs, you watch sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbors, best friends, log in for all the good stuff. Listen, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without all that hassle. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there is no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. That is still true. That is so fine. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, I am Jim Rome. We start hour number three, and things definitely did ramp up. It's an amazing thing. The momentum of Radio Row midweek is amazing. You get caught up, and the thing practically does itself. Welcome back. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios, but we move them to the convention center. As a reminder, every score changed during Super Bowl 56. Somebody's going to win 50 grand in the Rocket Mortgage Super Bowl Square sweepstakes. See the rules and enter for free at rocketmortgagesquares.com. Once again, once we get here, the show is very different. We back interviews up. We stack them because you get access to people that you ordinarily do not get access to, or you get access to old friends, and it's even better. That would be this next guest, a Super Bowl champion, a Super Bowl MVP, a two-time NFL MVP, a Walter Payton Man of the Year, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2017. He is an NFL Network analyst. He is appearing courtesy of TiVo Stream 4K. He is a very, very busy man. He is Kurt Warner. Kurt, what can I say, man? We have done this. You and I have done this for a very long time. Long time. And I have a great, great appreciation for you, the relationship. I'm just at this time in my life where I don't mind saying that. you got to yeah. say that to friends, right? You do, and you have to come to understand that even in football, it's okay to say that and, right. and to appreciate people and to be grateful for those along the way. And so it has been. I mean, way back when, when I came from, from nowhere and uh, you put me on very, very early in the process and uh, I just appreciate Appreciate the friendship. Appreciate the opportunity over the years. It's such an amazing thing to say. And I have such, guys, I have such fondness and affinity for guys who, who know that, who understand that. Like yep. you remember that we used to do that. And then as I'm like – you know, doing this and you're doing that and you're coming up. You never forgot and you've always made time and access, given us access, and I really do appreciate that. So the Rams are back in the Super Bowl. Man. What kind of memories does that bring up for you? Man, I mean, so many great memories. Obviously, you know, you think back to the championship first and foremost and that magical season that we had and the collection of talent that we had. And so, you know, when you go to cover the game and you see this collection of talent and you see the storylines that go in to this Rams team um, – you know, it's, it's fun. I mean, it is fun because you understand what this moment means for everybody. I always said that is that I was fortunate to play in three of these games. But I'm like, every player that's ever played this game needs to have this moment. So what I love so much about the Rams is that Matthew Stafford is finally getting this moment. 
did a lot of great things, put up a lot of great numbers, all of that stuff, but never got this moment. Always carried himself with class, and so it's been fun to watch this team kind of put it all together with all these fancy pieces that they brought together, but for Matthew Stafford to play the way that he has, to answer the questions about could you do it in the big moment, is it you or is it Detroit, whatever, for him to play well in the playoffs and find himself in this moment, I'm so excited for him. Kurt Warner is my guest. Like, the narrative, that certainly was the narrative, and you know better than anybody, you can't control the narrative. But as somebody who's in the Hall of Fame, as somebody who played the position, as somebody who knows, did you yourself have any of those same questions about Matthew Stafford, whether or not he could win on the big stage? Yeah, I mean, because he hadn't shown us. And see, that's the hard thing is, like, I know people will sometimes take offense to that or, oh, so-and-so said that, I'm going to put a chip on my shoulder. What I always tried to do through my career is – To look through a realistic lens and go, okay, why are they saying that? Like, when I came on the scene in 99, it was like, oh, this team's going to suck. They're going to be terrible. Kurt Warner's taking over. And I had to be like, I get it. Like, I understand why they're saying that. I don't believe it. I'm going to show them why that's not true. But but I get it. And it's kind of the same with Matthew Stafford is he's never been in these moments. Like, when he was in in the playoffs, not that he's played bad, but he hadn't won – in this moment. So you got to understand why people have those questions about you, even if you don't, even if you believe you can play there. I came into the season going, yeah, I want to see too. I want to see him in the biggest moments. Does he rise up you know, to the level of his talent in those moments? And we got that question answered because I believe he's played as well in this, these playoffs as any other quarterback. And I know Josh Allen was great in game one, and Patrick Mahomes brought his team back with 13 seconds to go. So it overshadows a little bit what Matthew Stafford has done. But he's the reason that they're in the Super Bowl, and I love that for him because we did all have those questions coming in. Kurt Warner's joining us. Listen, I mean, I wonder, maybe he had the same questions about himself, and I say that only because every great athlete that I've ever met wants to be on the big stage to find out how they're going to do yeah. when they're on the big stage. All the greats want that, right? Well, and, and it's one level to the next. Like, I remember when I was in high school and I got a chance to play in college. And, of course, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I can do this. I can play in college. But you don't know until you prove to yourself sure. you can play. Now you go from college to the pros and you're like, okay, I, I think I can do it here. But you have those prove it moments. And it's not just prove it to the world. You have to prove it to yourself that, yeah, the, la- the guy was at the last level, I am at this level. Or the guy was in the regular season, I can be that guy or better in the playoffs. So, yeah, we all have prove-it moments, even though it doesn't mean we lack confidence or we don't think we can do it. I got to show myself. I got, I got to be realistic and go, okay, dude, you haven't done it yet. So show me on the biggest stage when the pressure's the highest, when things are going against you, that you can handle the moment. So, yeah, I mean, every every – you know, athlete in any level needs to prove it to themselves even when they have that great confidence. Listen, I, the response is so interesting. I know there's a lot of people listening right now that would like to keep you up here forever and for me to just keep banging through the matchups. But I'm really curious, Kurt, at this point in your life, you had a really busy year and a lot of things going on that were related to the NFL or not. Do you still have those prove-it moments? And at this point in your life, what are they? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you do. I, I think life is all, always about that. You know, it's like when I won the first Super Bowl or I won my first MVP, the question was, can you do it again? You know, like, can you be that guy, you know, for the rest of time? And, and that same stuff holds true for me now. And, and it doesn't matter what I do. You know, I've got seven kids. And so with kids, 
every day comes a new challenge. And, and you got to ask yourself, okay, can I be that kind of dad that I want to be through all of these different moments and changes and challenges with my kids? I do it in, in TV is that, you know, I watch more film and probably prepare more than anybody else in this business. And I'm okay with that. It takes a lot of time, and sometimes I get worn out, but it's always like because I want to prove that I'm the best at what I do. And I don't know what that looks like. I mean, I don't need, you know, an, an Emmy, I, all that. But it's like I want to prove to myself that I can be great in this stage of my life, whatever that is. Um, you know, with the movie that we, you know, we just produced the movie on, on, on my life, and, it, and it's out in What theaters. was that like, Kurt? Let me jump in. I'm sorry. Yeah. We, we, for so long, we've always said, this is a movie. This is a movie. Well, right. it is officially a movie. What was it like to sit down and watch the movie? Well, you know, because, again, that's I'm getting to that point. Like, we're going to make a movie. I want this movie to be really good. Like, yeah. I, I don't right. want to put something out there that's just a movie because I'm on the big. It's, it's got to be really, really good. So you have all of those prove it moments and you know and that was a challenge because what you realize when somebody's making a movie is that a it's not a documentary so it's like the person on the screen isn't going to say every word exactly like you said it or the scene you know it's going to have probably a little hollywood in it even though there's truth in the scene so you've got to to grab a hold of that part of it uh you know the other part is going okay this isn't going to be the whole story. You know, we've got to cut different things out or oh, different people out. And, you know, there's times you're like, oh, my gosh, how, how do we cut that person out? How do we make – but in the end, you have to get uh, – you know, you got to get comfortable with the fact that this is the story that we believe can have the greatest impact on the most people. And once you get to that point and you can kind of put all that other stuff aside, you go, we did exactly what we wanted to do. The response to this movie has been – incredible because it's it's my story but it's also partly my wife's story and part of my son's story who has been through challenges and the title of American underdog it's it's three different underdogs that together got to where we're at now and without one piece of that we wouldn't be here I mean you know it you're the one that's the face of of this whole show but you know all the people that went into it and the key moments that shaped who you were to allow you to be here. That's the kind of movie we wanted to make. So everybody that went to the movie could recognize those different pieces in it. And so that's been, you know, it was a tough process, but it's been a pretty incredible process to hear the response from different people and what parts of the movie, because, you know, you go see a lot of movies and most people will go, oh, they point to that same part or that same theme in the movie and go, of course, we got this out of it. The great thing about our movie is there's so many different themes and storylines that different people are grabbing different things, and that's when you go, "That's how we that's know how we, we got a, we got a good movie." And, right. and so it's been it's been a tough, you know, busy process, but it's been a, a really rewarding process. Good for you, I love that, Kurt Warner, my guest. So you're here today on behalf of TiVo Stream 4K. What are you working on with them? Lay it out for me. All right. Well, here's the thing: as we all know, streaming has taken over the world, right? And we got. A million different streaming platforms. My wife is big into the streaming. She always wants me to watch these movies or these TV shows. But inevitably, when she sit, we sit down to watch it, she's like... How do you guys reconcile that, by the way? I, I know. Ooh, does she always win? She always wins. Do you take wins. turns? Because I'm so busy. She gets to choose the movies. But every time, she's like, oh, shoot, I forgot. What platform is this on? So she takes 10 minutes to try to... And I'm like... I got work to do. I got film to watch. So the TiVo Stream 4K, what it does is it, it, it one, one connection to your TV, it houses all of your platforms on one screen. So there's one search engine that connects all of them. So, hey, you want to watch American Underdog? Boom, boom, boom. Type it in. You don't have to know what streaming service it's on. It just pulls it up from all of the different accounts that you have. So it's easy, one stop. It's smart like everything else. So if you like football movies, 
It's going to give you suggestions that are across all those different platforms, but it makes life easier. And we're going to kick off the weekend with a watch party of American Underdog and a live cooking show uh, you know, set up by TiVo. You can go to blog.tivo.com to find out more about that. Go to TiVo.com to find out more about the 4K, stream, the stream 4K. And we're just going to make your life easier. Man, that is so true, isn't it? It is oh my it's God. getting so hard to navigate and figure right. out, how do I get to that? I want to see that. What do yeah. I do? And it's so overwhelming because it there's just more and more and more that are coming out. So connect them all in one place. And, and again, it's going to make my life easier, going to make my wife's life easier. And, you know, and then you got to add the kids in. i got seven kids, and they got all their shows. So, boom, <laughs> one-stop shop. That's what we need. Really quickly, I want to ask you, and not to be unfair to all the kids and only ask you about one kid, but I want to ask you about your son, EJ. He committed to play football at Temple. As a father, what is it like, what is it like for you to see him take this step in his journey? It's fun because, you know, he's had some things go against him, whether it be you know COVID or, or the portal, and he suffered an injury his junior year, lost his whole junior year. So a little bit of an underdog story. And then to bounce back and to have an opportunity to play college football, major college football in a great city like Philly, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for him, you know. And, again, you know, you're talking about as a player. You got those prove-it moments. As a father, it's kind of the same thing. It's like I'm excited to send him off to Temple, but you sit back and go, can, can he play at Temple? Like uh. how, how good is he? How far can he go? And so you have those moments. But I'm excited uh, that he gets this opportunity to chase his dream like I did. I remembered searching and hoping somebody would give me that opportunity. We're excited that Temple is doing that. Coach Drayton, we're excited about the program and uh, the chance to, to impact that program. So super quickly, is it nerve-wracking? Like I've done a lot of things on a pretty big stage i watch my kids play travel ball and high school ball it's nerve-wracking it's, i don't know worse. why it is it's but, worse isn't, isn't it? it like you can be nervous you can play in a super bowl but when the ball's in your hands and you're in control you're like okay i'm nervous but i got this when it's out of your hands and you're just watching your kids you do i, I sit on the edge of my seat and it's like a, you want him to stay healthy through a game. B, if the ball's thrown to him, I got one son that's in college that's a wide receiver. You're like, I just want you to catch every ball. You know, if your your son's playing quarterback, it's like, just don't throw the interception. Like, you know, just make the throw. So yeah, it's very nerve wracking. And I know my wife hates watching games with me because I am more nervous watching them do their thing than I ever was playing Boy, playing myself. If we've done this a hundred times over the years, it doesn't get any better than this, Kurt. I mean this sincerely. I appreciate you. I appreciate the friendship. I appreciate the relationship. I appreciate the access. And it is so good to have you on. Thank right, you it's so always much. good to be on. Always good to catch up. Unfortunately, we only get to do it a couple times a year, but best to you and the fam. Yeah, you too, Kurt. I'm going to take those two times. I'll take whatever I can get. Kurt Warner, always the same. Always the same. Was like that when he came up. Was like that when he was killing the game. Still like this, even as an analyst. My thanks to him. Hope you got something out of that. That was great. So much energy and so much fun. Let's take a moment and talk about WinBet, the latest and greatest sports betting app on the market. The same five-star hotel service that you know and love is now in the digital betting space, providing an elite sports book and digital casino app. So whether you're betting on the NFL postseason, college hoops, or both, because why not? WinBet has you covered. Are you looking for other sports? WinBet has that too. It's all right there for your WinBet app. And WinBet is also fully integrated with Win Rewards. That means by playing WinBet, you can accrue points to earn free credit in app and comp dollars towards perks at Win Resorts, discounted hotel stays, priority dining and entertainment, free merch. It really is the best loyalty program in the industry. Call it a win-win. Whether playing from your phone or your computer, you've absolutely got to sign up for WinBet 
ASAP. Bet with the best. Get into the game. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You do have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome back. One last segment. We're coming to you live from Radio Row in Los Angeles, gearing up for Sunday's game. And as I told my next guest when he sat down, it takes a certain sort of cat to close the show. And I think I found the right guy. He is a cornerback for the Baltimore Ravens. Check this resume. He's an all-pro. He's a two-time Pro Bowler. 58 tackles, 13 passes defended, an INT, a forced fumble in 12 games this season. He was a national champion and an All-American at Alabama. He was the number 16 pick overall in 2017. Marlon Humphrey is my guest. My man, what's going on? How you feeling? How you living? Feeling good. Happy to be here. Uh, happy to be at Radio Row for the first time. Yeah, so what are your impressions of Radio Row? Uh, a lot of cameras, a lot of microphones. Um, so, so you're uh, comfortable then? I'm very comfortable. It's, uh, it's uh, something I want to do one day, so uh, get a little taste of it now. Really? Is this what you want to do one day? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's kind of doing something with, you know, TV and different different pers- TV personalities. It's kind of like my, my dream post-football post job. Okay, then. So consider this your first audition, all right? <laughs> See <laughs> yeah, how that goes. Good. I'm not worried about you. So you spent some time in Vegas, all right? So how did that go for you? I went well. I actually went to go see, you know, Matthew Judon. Uh, he just had a three-month-old daughter, um, so so I was able to go see her. I hadn't seen her. Of course, he was once my teammate. I used to pull up to his house, not call, not text, and just, you know, babysit the kids and all that stuff. So uh, it was good to see him and his family. All right, so how did he repay you for all of that? This is amazing. Like, you're fam. You're practically fam with this guy. Yeah. You come to pay your respect. You serve as an analyst slash correspondent for the Ravens. You're doing great work, and then Judon accuses you of having fake teeth, bro. <laughs> <laughs> true or not true, and what was that all about? Uh, on camera, on Ju- camera, no less. Judon is my guy, man. I, I really love him. He's he's a he's a class clown, um, but uh, you know I, I really uh, proud of the things he's done. He's been doing big things over there, the Patriots. Uh, I wouldn't mind having him back on the Ravens now. You know, what I mean that's my pitch, but. Uh, He's a, he's a good guy, a good family man. So uh, I really respect everything he's doing. Dude, a great player. Now, is it also true that? Among other things this season, you tweeted this out. Did you get cussed out by a spam caller? How did that go down? Yeah, so I, I'm like one of those weird guys. I answer random calls. So, like, when a random call calls, because I've had times in the past when it's a random call and it'll be like a drug test or it'll be like something actually important. And so I answer the call, realize the spam call, I'm like, hey, man, hey, man, hey, man. And then the next thing you know, I'm getting cussed out. And I'm like, dude, you're not even going to be able to sell the product if you cuss me out. So, like, it, it was a first. I'll just say that. Dude, why? What? Why was this dude cussing you out? I think because I cut him off. Because I was like, I was stopping him before he did his pitch. I was like, hey man, uh, you know, because I don't hang up. I try to do the little press two to be off the no call list. Yeah, right. And he just proceeded to cuss me out. So Should have said, dude, I'm trying to make you better. Yeah, that's I'm trying to make I, you better. Exactly. He's I'm gotta, coaching you up. Yeah, he's got to do his pitch shorter. He's got to do his pitch shorter. You're the one who's spam calling. Come on, man, deal with it. All right. Yeah. So your season ended early with that torn pectoral muscle in December. I mean. I understand this is what you sign up for. You understand injuries are a part of it, but how brutal was it to have your season end that way? And how are you feeling right now? Uh, it was. It was. Uh, it's new for me to have a, a major injury like that. But um, you know, it, it does happen in the game of football. I mean, it wasn't far off from what everybody seemed like they suffered on my team, right? With, with the injuries that were just, there were injuries were contagious this year. So that was that was uh, that was no fun at times. But um, I'm, I'm doing well now. You know, rehabbing here in LA, uh, a rehab for for a month here. Go back to Baltimore, check in with everybody. But uh, it, it's been good. It's been a, you know, I think the NFL is about highs and lows, and this is kind of like, you know, the lows, but it all goes a part of, you know, that journey. So it, it's been a, I've been a, 
enjoying it to to the best I can. You're, you're embracing the suck because what yes. choice do you have, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I'm literally embracing the, the suck, as you said, because uh, because it all goes to part of the journey. You know, I'll, I'll I'll tell the story about the good, I'll tell the stories about the bads, and I'll tell the stories about the in between. See, one thing to remember when you get into the media one day, when you want to dominate this game, tell the stories. We love it. <laughs> media loves it. If you say, "Hey, man, I got a story. I got a story." We love that. So always tell the stories, the good and the bad. You know, when you talk about your team, it might be a part of the game. But at any point during the season, because you guys seem like everybody who mattered got hurt, at any point did you say, what the hell is going on here? Why us? What is going on? Even for the NFL, this is different. Yeah, I think surprisingly there wasn't really a big moment of that. I don't know if it was because the chemistry in the locker room or the coaches. Well, you know, Culture, or, or right? Management. I think the culture was so high. Even with this injury, that injury, this injury, everyone kind of just stayed, you know, in good spirits. And, you know, we, of course, didn't finish out the season the way we wanted to do. We were, you know, number one in the AFC at one point. And it was just crazy. But, you know, nobody really got down. And, you know, when somebody got hurt, it was like next man up. And so it was, it was crazy how good the chemistry stayed even among all the injuries and COVID and all the bad things that happened. Dude, I've talked to a lot of guys on your team, and they talk about the Raven culture. Can you explain what that's like? Because – People are always throwing around culture, culture. It's about the culture. Like, what's it mean to be a Raven? Man, it, the, to, to be a Raven means so much. Yeah, I think, you know, when I was there, uh, Terrell Suggs was still there. And, you know, he kind of set a standard that, you know, was was, was really, really high about, about based off the way you played and, and, and the different things you did. And, you know, the culture, you know, I think that's come from, you know, the, the upstairs just continuing it. It's a really place where they want you to come in there and be yourself. You know, I think so many guys have told me, man, it's not like this everywhere else. And so I can't really, you know, imagine because I've only been in one place. But so many guys have told me that from other teams, like it's not like this everywhere else. And you can come in, act however way you want to act, you know, within the rules. But, you know, I think uh, the, the the culture and the chemistry and, you know, when your star quarterback is just as humble as, as, as the next man, doesn't feel like, you know, he needs to be treated special. I think it really all just meshes well with the team. You know, I was going to ask you about T. Sizzle. I I always love having him on the show, man. That's a big, big dude in every sense of the word, man. I can only imagine. In fact, what's it like having him in the locker room when I got to think that he's going to demand accountability and extreme ownership of everything? Yeah, I mean, he is he, – he, he demanded greatness. You know, I think, you know, thinking of Ravens defense, you know, we didn't – that standard kind of fell off, you know, this year that, you know, I, I can't wait to be able to get back. Uh, but he demanded, you know, excellence out of everybody. And then when it was time to have fun, he was a loose cannon. He, he did not – he was not very filtered, um, so it, it was uh, it was cool to, you know, be around him, be around a, you know a Raven great. You know, I missed out on you know Ed and Ray and all those guys, but you know, Sizz was kind of the last one of that of that duo along with Pernell McPhee and other guys. So it was uh it was cool to you know be around you know a true Raven. All right, so one other guy that you were around, my dude Eric Weddle. I mean, yeah. can you be, Weddle? He, I can go on forever on Weddle and what makes him so great. What a great leader. What a great player. How about this dude stepping off the couch? Now, I know he's taking care of himself. I know he's got some local runs. But how about this dude just stepping off the couch into the postseason and having the impact he's having? What do you make of that? Man, he's, he's, he's crazy. Um, Eric Weddle is a crazy guy. He, he's, he's very, very smart. Probably one of the smartest players right. I've ever played with. I mean, he, he's, he's single-handedly helped me make some plays because he told me the exact play right before the snap. <laughs> Um, but, you know, to, to step off the field, the, the thing about Weddle, I know, even though he's away from the game, he's never too far away from the game. Um, I, I know he had probably been studying, watching this, watching that. Um, being in shape, I was, I was surprised he was able to just get her off the couch. Um, and, but, you know, he, he's just he's such a smart player. He's such a, a likable guy, another, you know, great family man. So he, he kind of has all the, the attributes. He used to sit right next to me when, when we were, you know, teammates. And 
he would always get on to me about different things here and there. So he really did a, a lot uh, for my growth early in my career. That, that's really high praise from you, Marlon Humphrey, joining us. Now, you and Ronnie Stanley host the Guru Punch podcast. And now you guys are not shying away from tough topics now, really tough topics like why Twix is the worst candy bar ever. Yo, bro, lay that out for me. Why is Twix the worst candy bar ever? I, that was actually a Ronnie thing. I I actually like Twix. Yeah, so, they don't bother me at all. Yeah, they don't bother me at all. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm a big Twix guy, so that I'll have to let Ronnie take that here. I mean, he sometimes has some questionable things on Guru Punch Pod, but uh, well, we'll have to get him in check. You know, he has – I have some takes. He has some takes. We both – Sometimes uh, get get some get some bad takes to some, but I think my takes were always great. Of course. Well, dude, like, what's wrong with Twix? Why? What's what's his issue with the Twix bar? The caramel it gets you know it gets stuck in your teeth and it's all it, right. It's caramel. It, it gets it gets a little messy. It gets a little messy. So it, it but you know sometimes candy's messy. So it, it it's good with me, but you know Ronnie not so much. You, do you guys have fun with that podcast? Yeah, we do have fun, man. We just talk about you know I. The thing about me, I do foot. We do football, you know, twenty four seven. So we kind of decided to just talk about all the random things going on in the world, whether it's pop culture, whether it's a high school, this, whether it's you know, we 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 get all over the place sometimes off topic, but you know, those are some of the best. So um, we kind of talk about all things, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be kind of relaunching, rebranding everything here in the next you know week or so. Listen, before you go, as some people know, you're really really into NFTs. How did you first get involved? What got you hooked on that? Man, the. One day I was scrolling on my Twitter timeline. I I don't watch the news. My news is like Twitter usually. So I go to Twitter, see what's trending, blase, blase. Hopefully I'm not trending for the wrong thing. Um, but I have been before. But um, I saw Dude, I got to interrupt because I've been there before. What's it like when all of a sudden you look over there and you're in the trending column and you're not sure why? I've been there before. Uh, and usually, and for me, it's not for a good reason. Like, what's that feeling like when you feel that right away? Like, oh, damn, now what? Uh, sometimes it's uh, – man, honestly, Twitter is a very dangerous place. Yeah, it is. The jokes are pretty funny, though, a lot of the time. So, you know, it, it's it's always just weird when you see your name there and then you look and there's some funny jokes or someone sent sent you something. But it's uh, – you know, I think it is what it is, kind of how it goes. But Dude, I always said uh, it. I don't like – sorry to interrupt, but I, back in the day when it first dropped, I said Twitter – this is a it's a loaded gun, dude, without a safety and it's going to go off. So don't you tweet drunk, don't you tweet angry yeah. and treat this thing with respect. And I don't I mean that's a bad analogy now. I don't I don't like the analogy now, but that's how it hit me the first time and it's still that way. Yeah, no, Twitter Twitter can uh Twitter can get you caught up very very quickly. Uh So NFTs, how did you get into that? So, Steph Curry, I, I saw Steph Curry about this board at Yacht Club and I'm like you know, I feel like basketball guys are really smart. They're, they're, they seem like they're always ahead of the wave of NFL guys when it comes to investing their money yeah. and different things. So I said, for some reason, I do not know Steph Curry, but I said, I think I trust a Steph Curry guy. And literally within like a week, I spent six figures on a JPEG picture. And I was like, what am I doing? Um, but but then I got you know really big into it. And Des Bryant started this company called Personal Corner, kind of an athlete hub and for, for, for NFTs and just – all athlete things in general, and it's it just it's just went crazy. And uh, I think uh, in the future, though, you know, NFL comes out with NFL all day. So I, I was kind of I wasn't too far ahead of the curve, but I was ahead of some things. And I well, think I think you were. NFTs are you know they're they're small right now. I I would say in the, in the margin of amount of people that are on them, but I think they'll soon be really really big. All right. So you mentioned also Twitter and the jokes. You shaved your head, dude. But what's your reaction when people on Twitter are coming at you like, bro, you look like you're 35? <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of people said that, even good friends of mine. So I, I was getting tired of my hair. I shaved my head, and then I was like, 
yeah, I won't have to deal with my hair anymore. And then I realized you got to shave your head like every three days. So then I realized this was more work than I let my hair grow back. Now it's now it's grown back. So I'm like, this was such a negative. I, so I thought funny. like if I shaved my hair, it'll just be bald. I no won't maintenance, to, dude. No I'm maintenance. Anything. And then the next thing you know, I'm like, it's more it. maintenance. Growing back already. I got to shave it again. I got to put aftershave on. And I'm like, this was. I mean, I don't have. I don't consider any of my ideas bad ideas. But this was a pretty bad idea. Dude, it's so funny, man. That is the best. All right, so break it down for me Sunday. Who do you like? I like the Rams. I like I like the Rams. Um, I don't have a score prediction, though, but I, I think it'll it'll be something like – I think it'll be a higher-scoring game than what people think, though. I got a more important question. Where do you come out on breakfast? In particular, waffles and pancakes for breakfast. Is it a meal or is it just a syrup delivery system? It is basically just a load of sugar. I think – Breakfast is the most overrated meal of all times. It's basically eggs and bread every single time. That's all it really consists of. And huh. so if I could have lunch, lunch, dinner, or dinner, lunch, dinner. Lunch, lunch, or dinner, dinner. I mean, I could have a burger at 8 a.m. You know, any, it's just eggs so, get overrated, so, and they're always so the same. you should. All right, then. My man, dude, you got, you got no concerns. As soon as you're done playing, there will be a microphone and a camera somewhere. <laughs> there will not be a problem at all. Great to talk to you, Marlon. Appreciate you, man. Thank, right, thank you. Thank you. You close the show like I knew you would. Perfect. Do the ones who get it done. Granger is offering supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and an experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, click, or stop on by. Granger.com. Big day. Big Wednesday. Tomorrow, among others, Austin Eckler, Max Crosby, Troy Aikman, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Josh Allen, Micah Parsons, Aaron Jones, DJ Moore. That's a good day. Appreciate you all. Thank you for listening. Live from the row. We're going to run it back tomorrow. See you then. We are out. Good night.